0: Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, September 27th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamenini
1: And I'm Tell Me on the Sunday podcast, Grace Aki.
0: Grace, your special episode, by the time everybody hears that, will be in both of the feeds. It went up first on Tuesday morning in Patreon. It'll go up Tuesday evening in the regular feeds. Remind everybody why they have to go see 20 Seconds at the Signature Center for the next month or so.
1: Yeah, so it's a solo show by Tom Schweitzer. It's all about like his journey through his upbringing with a very Italian mother, difficulties with his father, and then leading into why music saved his life and how he incorporates that into all of his work now. Um, it's a really great conversation. Also gets you really excited to see this show playing in New York City until October 21st, I believe. So listen for that little interview. It's really lovely.
0: Wonderful. Then also coming up in the Patreon feed, On Wednesday morning, this is a Patreon exclusive. You won't hear it anywhere else. Grace and I talk about the rest of the 2023 2024 Broadway season, what shows either are officially coming in or we have heard are coming in. We make some speculations about when and where things are going, what might be showing up, uh, have some interesting side conversations uh, off of that as well. So if you want to hear that, Head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com patreon, and sign up for the appropriate feed there. All right, Grace. I For a long time, I touted the fact that I claimed to have a crystal ball, which I do not have. I do not have psychic powers either. But based off of your comments on yesterday's show, I feel like you might have one. Because on Tuesday, we got the official word of who will be playing Sir Lancelot, in the upcoming Broadway revival of Spamalot, and it will be none other than former SNL star, former King George III in Hamilton on Broadway, and former Dr. Oren Scrivello DDS at New York City Center, Taryn Killam. He will join the production when it begins performances at the St. James Theater on October 31st, but he will not be going for the entire run, at least not as it's scheduled now. He will be replaced... On January 9th by Alex Brightman, who played the role in the Kennedy Center run earlier this year, I think the we have to assume that ideally they would have loved to have kept Alex Brightman for the whole thing. But obviously he is currently busy with the shark is broken. But he will be joining that cast. And one of the things that is interesting to me, Grace, and we were talking about this because I felt like I was a little crazy, like this was a maybe a Berenstein, Berenstein Bears thing. But I thought when this announcement was made that they definitely said it was a probably only going to be a limited run. I swear that they somewhere said that it was only going to run into January. But then when I went back to look at all of the press releases, it never said that. So what I did was I went and looked at the site. They are currently on sale through April 28th, which is right. That's the week of the Tony eligibility deadline. So either I'm misremembering things or maybe they extended anyway. Uh, I'm not sure. But this seems like a really good way to get bright monster into the show in time for like Tony season, even though he won't be Tony eligible, but also to get a really interesting, talented star to fill in that role for the first three, four months of the run.
1: Yeah, I I'm, I'm really excited again. I cannot stress enough. This was all news to me today, <laughs> brand new news, but yeah, I, I think that there's also a possibility genuinely that like, this could be a role that even though there's like a billion costumes, which I was not thinking about when we were speaking about this yesterday, the role is obviously for a a very comedic actor, but it also has a lot of different moving parts and a lot of different outfits. So I was a little callous to say that like, you know, somebody could go in every couple of weeks. That's probably not as possible as I had uh, assumed versus like King Arthur is a role that that could happen in. So I'm, I'm I'm curious, like, just like the landscape and the availabilities, because it didn't say how long Alex was going to be in the show, correct? Correct. Just that he would come in in January. So there, I do still have this, like, you know, pie in the sky idea that it's kind of like this revolving door of shenanigans. What's interesting is I also checked... On the Drinks with Johnny podcast, if you go to the um, their account Instagram, someone leaked this five days ago, which I just saw today in the ca- yeah. in the caption. They it said check him check out Taryn Killam coming to Broadway this fall and Spam a lot, and I was like, oh man, like it was there too. So maybe that was some tip that was in the air, but um, yeah. So I'm excited to see Taryn Killam back on Broadway. Really love him. I think he's insanely talented. Can't wait to hear the songs.
0: Yeah. Can't wait. Uh, we, of course, know that he will be joining a previously announced cast that will feature Chris Fitzgerald, James Monroe Iglehart, Leslie Rodriguez-Kritzer, Ethan Slater, Jimmy Smagula, Michael Yuri, Nick Walker, and more. So
1: I do want to say directly next door for the next five weeks is Alex Moffat. And if anyone's smart, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> another SNL alum next to
1: spam a lot. Exactly. There's gotta be some magic we can work there. I don't know how they are, but just saying.
0: Yeah, performances begin at the St. James on October 31st. I think the cottage like closes the weekend before, right? Doesn't it close the last weekend of October? I don't
1: know, but I it's five it's more weeks. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so that'd be it. Yeah, so it closes right there. So he can just go right over. Maybe he can uh, be a body double or something for Taryn. Uh, we'll see what happens, but very cool. All right, In another bit of like, major comedy star doing a stage production news. Yesterday it was announced that seven-time BAFTA winner Steve Coogan will take on the lead role in the stage adaptation of Stanley Kubrick's Dr. Strangelove in the West End next year. The world premiere show will be playing the Noel Coward Theater beginning on October 8th. We already know that it's going to be directed by Sean Foley, who adapted it alongside Armando Iannucci, who is the creator of the TV show Veep. Like, I don't know if Steve Coogan is one of those names that a ton of American audiences know super well, but Grace, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that, like, Hamlet 2. Well, Hamlet, too. Yes. Rock me, sexy Jesus. Uh, But I I was going to say, like, I imagine that, like, he is somebody that you like a lot.
1: Funny enough, Steve Coogan was one of my clients when I was working retail and was one of the nicest people in the world. Really, really adored him. Also, just like separately respected and adored his his presence so much like in media. But then just on a like a personal level was just so kind when I was briefly, um, doing some stuff there. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I think that that is an incredible choice. It's not the first one that would come to mind, but I think that makes it even more intriguing. I think it's a really challenging role and I'm glad that it's someone that has done kind of the impossible and like paved their own way and their own tone of voice, but will honor the Peter Sellers identity of that project.
0: Yeah, he is a guy who, if you're unfamiliar with him, is kind of this absurdist comic kind of thing. He has worked with Armando Iannucci before and on the hour and the day-to-day. He is perhaps in the UK most well-known for creating a bunch of original characters, including Alan Partridge, who is this like socially inept, politically incorrect media figure. He's done it on TV. He's done films. Um He's done I think even there's a book or something. But he's also done a, a lot of actual, you know, pretty heavy acting as well. He's been in a ton of movies like Night of the Museum, Tropic Thunder. We, of course, mentioned Hamlet, Two, if you have not watched Hamlet, Two. I don't know that if I know now what it is that I probably would have watched it because it is very much not my thing in terms of like the cringe of it, but it's really funny. He also wrote and starred in a movie with uh, Dame Judi Dench called Philomena, which is a really uh, great film. He's been in like a bunch of the Despicable Me movies. He's just really funny and a really interesting guy. So uh, I'm excited to see this and to see what happens with it moving forward and Look, if you're going to get somebody to do this type of satire, I think he is a really, really good choice for it, especially because he's worked with Armando in the past. So great casting, great stuff. And if you don't know Steve Coogan, uh, now's a really good time to check out his work. All right, real quick, Grace, I want to run through last week's Broadway grosses. We saw an increase of 4% over the previous week to come in at $22,442,339, although Attendance declined about four and a half thousand people down to one hundred ninety eight thousand seven hundred eighty five dollars. The show at the top of the list was The Lion King at one point nine million dollars, followed by Hamilton at one point seven. Sweeney Todd at one point five, which only did seven performances. Then MJ at one point three eight and Wicked at 1.3. The rest of the show's North of a Million Dollars are led by Merrily We Roll Along, even though it only had six performances last week in its first week on Broadway. It did $1,304,508. It was followed by Aladdin, Moulin Rouge, and Back to the Future. Gutenberg did a uh, a pretty solid second week of previews, still only did seven shows, but came in at $687,392. It had only done a handful of shows, I think three the previous week, so that's a pretty big jump up for them. We did see some of these newer shows on Broadway start to see increases. Yaya's African Hair Braiding saw an increase of about $14,600. Melissa Etheridge, My Window, saw about a $15,000 increase. So things are moving in the right direction especially for these new shows. This is obviously certainly a time when um, new shows are going to uh, suck out a lot of the oxygen from returning shows, but hopefully it is a rising tides lift all boats kind of thing as the season rolls on. All right, Grace, I want to talk about a show that is apparently getting a developmental reading and it breaks two of my cardinal rules that I've been talking about here on Broadway Radio for years. I have said for a very long time That we do not need new adaptations, musical or otherwise, of Alice in Wonderland, of Peter Pan, and of The Wizard of Oz. This one is actually two of those things. It is a new musical called Alice in Neverland, and it is a sequel to Alice in Wonderland and a prequel to Peter Pan. It is going to have an industry presentation tomorrow, the 28th, and it's going to feature Ali Siebold, Heath Saunders, Kyle Seelig, Grace McLean, Courtney Carter, and Rob Coletti, amongst others. It has a book, music and lyrics by Phil Kinney and Reston Williams. It is directed by Katie Davis with music director Chris Kuchel. The show is just a little tiny log line here says, quote, growing older and obsessed with her memories of Wonderland. Alice embarks on the daring journey to recapture youth, including the sacrifices that might be required to never grow up. Now, Grace, I understand the draw and the power of public domain stories, and I'm sure this is great. And I love so many of the people that are in this reading. But I mean, but come on. Really? Do we need this? Do we need this? Really?
1: I, I think that objectively you could say that for anything. And that's the, I mean, you could literally say that for anything. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah, who are we but, to tell somebody? No, but cause here's the thing. And I've said this before, cause I'm always going to be the bad cop to you on, on this. Like the thing is, is that people do not have the means to take chances in this moment economically. I, I really don't believe that. Like, I think that, we are in a place that is very challenging and people, especially families, need to know that when they are able to bring everybody to, especially the fine arts, the performing arts, things like that, they want to know what they're getting into. So I understand the gravitation towards existing IP like this. Obviously, we've talked it because it's also family friendly. Everyone knows it. And it's family-friendly. You're hitting two birds with one stone and then you're combining them. So to me, you're hitting three pillars of potential opportunity. And that's Grace's marketing brain for you. Artistically, do we need this? Who gives a shit? Who am I to say what people need? Like, I think that there's something for everybody, I'm sure. Like when I heard that there was a Saw musical, I said, who needs this? And then I've seen people love it. And I'm like, why am I I out here like, you know, poo-pooing something that someone might really love? So yeah, I think that... If it's if it gets some young person to want to pursue the arts in any capacity, I don't give a shit. Get them there. Get the butt in the seat and make them want to write something original themselves.
0: And you're 100 percent right. And I'm somebody who I always say that, like, there is no idea that cannot be a good musical. I just think, like, we have so many shows about these stories already that i i don't know that we need more but you're right maybe this one will be one that separates that and and kind of changes it and obviously look
1: at look at peter and the star catcher i think on paper could you imagine if somebody said oh it's a peter pan adaptation next yeah it could
0: happen right and that's the one i was trying to get to is like peter peter and the star catcher is like the thing that subverts all of these 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 things because it was artistically wonderful and uh, was delightful in a lot of ways that weren't exactly like what we expected and maybe because this one is a is also a prequel in part to Peter Pan that changing it up will be will be good for it so who knows Uh, all right let's move on and Grace, we we're talking about things that can get young people into the theater. This is one of these things that I'm always really excited about. Yesterday, TDF announced their upcoming slate of autism-friendly performances that'll be happening throughout the next few months into 2024. It'll start with the October 1st matinee of The Lion King. Then they will have The Christmas Spectacular at Radio City Music Hall on November 19th and MJ the Musical on March 10th. And then the four-show season will conclude with Aladdin on May 5th. So always love seeing this from TDF and very glad they have a nice, robust season of of shows this year for those people to to have an opportunity to come see it who might not otherwise get to uh, take a risk on a Broadway show. And then we've got some really good news for two Broadway favorites. It was announced yesterday via social media that David Diggs and Emmy Raver Lampman are expecting their first child. They announced it on Tuesday. Of course, those two... I believe, met during uh, during Hamilton, where obviously David Diggs is a Tony winning uh, star and Emmy was in the ensemble and an understudy for the Schuyler sisters. And she went on to perform those roles in multiple productions around the country. Uh, They now live out in L.A., but very excited for them. Congratulations. Very cute pictures in the uh, in the social media post as well, if you want to check those out. All right. Finally, Grace, I don't believe you watch this show. But I watch it every episode. I watch The Voice. I usually watch it the day after it's on so I can fast forward through the uh, stuff I don't want to watch. But on the season premiere of season 24, a man named DJ Young was one of the auditioners and he sang a very, very impressive falsetto rich rendition of Kate Bush's This Woman's Work. And why I'm talking about that is, is he just finished off a stint as a standby in the national tour of Hamilton. He covered all seven of the male principal roles. He went on for five of them. He got a three chair turn from Gwen Stefani, Reba McIntyre and John Legend. He unsurprisingly went with John Legend because he said he's an R&B singer at heart. So that made a lot of sense for him to uh, to go with John Legend, obviously John Legend also a Tony-winning producer, so a little theatrical connection there, but Reba did bring up her time on Broadway and Annie Get Your Gun as well to kind of hopefully lure him over to her side, but that did not work. So if you want to check out that performance, you can watch it in the show notes or you can head over to Peacock where you can watch the entire episode. I love the Love the blind auditions, Grace. It's one of my favorite things uh, on TV every year, so highly recommend that one. Uh-huh. That's pretty. Pray God you can cope. All right, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio, and you can follow me pretty much anywhere at BWW. Matt Grace, where can people find you?
1: Same, anywhere on social media for the time being at It's Grace Aki.
0: All right, everybody, have a wonderful hump day, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.